You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruben Joshua Pupko. Rabbi Pupko from Cote St. Luke. You know, sometimes I think when I think about Canada, uh, I say, I'm so worried that my friend Rabbi Pupko is suffering of intense winter weather. We are in a terrible uh, heat wave here. It's about over 100. What's it like there for you now? Oh, it's uh, beautiful. Couldn't be nicer. We, uh, we're enjoying perfect weather, 78 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. The sun is shining. It's uh, joy has returned. Uh, people are, are buoyantly optimistic. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a delight up here. Yes, yes. And you, you, of course, you know that we are sweltering here. And, and let's remember... Um, well, it's well-deserved. I mean, let's be blunt. To... So we, we, we deserve to swelter. Uh, I, deserve I, I, to swelter. Again, the, the, let, let's talk about something that we both know about, you know, humid weather. Uh, we both spend time... Because it's really not the heat. It's the humidity. Yes, yes, yes. That will definitely get you. Yes, the humidity. Boy, the, this inane, this inane conversation. I think, <laughs> I think we should just can this and say, here's an example of of, of idiotic banter. <laughs> Not even, it doesn't even qualify as banter, but I actually have a point here. And my right. point is, is that the the, the the sweltering humidity and the the, the high temperatures. This is something, as you know. Um, made studying in Florida, which we both did in the summer, quite. Uh, terrible right remember as much as i would say when future generations reflect back on the great giants of previous times and of the extraordinary sacrifices they undertook to study torah you and i will play a central simply be central role figures in that narrative of mesilis nefesh as we study torah in florida yes okay well no question all right well we do almost unparalleled Almost unparalleled, Mr. Establish. Yes, yes. And, and all of us that were part of that great Camelot that was uh, the, the Talmudic University or College of Florida at the time. Right. Um, and we know that as much as it was a, a Mecca, a haven, a Shangri-La during the winter when people descended and continued. Flocked. To, they flocked. They flocked like the snowbirds as we had our program about that. But there, it was incredibly empty in the summer, and it was, the, there were tumbleweeds going through the streets. Yes, yeah, and it we, was bereft of all life. Yes, and 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 it was terrible. And and I think this weather that we were civil, uh, it, it it made it was good for us because we were able to frolic on the beach on Friday afternoon. And yes. I remember your brother Olasholim and I and others would go to find the beaches, and there were plenty of empty beaches oh. in the summer. We were known for our frolicking. Yes, yes, and I have to say, it was I know your 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 Lithuania roots are going to, uh, you know, you're not going to be so happy about this. But we actually, your brother and would, would be me, I, it's us to go to the mikvah already. That we were going, right. we already already used the 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 frolicking in the water there as a way right. to go to the mikvah. And I was thinking about this uh, the other day because I was watching images from Surfside Nebuch, yeah. where the uh, you know, I, they say that it, it's the terrible weather that they were having, uh, the intermittent storms, the incredible heat, uh, and other things which are really hampering uh, the the efforts at this point, which most people say are pretty much a brachel of atolanevach, 
in terms yeah. of finding anyone alive. But I was when I was looking at that that, that beach area, I, it wasn't that far from where we were. There it was only forty blocks away uh, or less from places that we were always there, and um, we know that. Uh, I don't know if the exact number of Jews has been listed, but I think it's definitely 50 or more. Um, how would, you know, it, it, look, obviously it's, it's, a, it's a major story for us. It's one of the top stories in the news. Uh, how are you dealing with it? How's your congregation? Listen, I have to tell you the, uh, you know, for, for Jews everywhere. I mean, as, you know, we're, we're not a, the largest of, of, of peoples in the world. Uh, you know, after uh, COVID and then Miron and then Gaza, and now Surfside, it, uh, it's certainly been a very, very difficult uh, a year and a d- difficult last uh, four or six months. And uh, it, it certainly is uh, deeply unsettling. People seek uh, answers that are not readily available. Uh, people seek reasons. Uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's each one of these things is a, is a, is a blow. It, it, if people feel... Uh, you know, it brings everyone down. Everyone, uh, everyone relates to it. Uh, in Miron, you know, there were, I think, in some ways, at least in my community, closer to connections in terms of family and friends. Uh, here, um, you know, the personal connection may not be there, but the Jewish connection is there. And uh, not only the Jewish connection, everybody in Florida has driven by that building. I mean, everyone in Montreal has driven by that building. I mean, everyone knows exactly where it is everyone you know everyone winters down there and everyone you know we all know that area really well and uh, so uh, the familiarity certainly uh increases the identification with the loss and the, and the tragedy um you know it's uh it, it's a terrible it, it, obviously it's, it's an ancient say it's a terrible tragedy it's terrible to uh to imagine uh, what went on there and and, and, and how the tragedy uh, disaster unfolded. It's also scary for people who stay in buildings just as old and just as tall. It's really not as old, actually. It was, uh, it's we, already, yeah. we, we talked about the salad days of us frolicking on the beach. That building wasn't even built yet. That building is, <laughs> that building was built. We were frolicking in the 70s, yes. 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 All frolicking um, came to an end with, the, with 1980. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but we frolicked in the, in the 70s, and you're right, that building didn't exist till 81. And um, it is remarkable, the the extraordinary growth of South Florida generally, but particularly the Jewish growth in that area. I mean, when we were down there in the 70s, you know, you had kosher hotels for the New Yorkers, uh, you had the Saxony, the Crown, the Caribbean. Today, you don't have a single kosher hotel, but you have an explosion of Jewish life and kosher restaurants and everything else, all the way from South Miami Beach, all the way up through, you know, to Fort Lauderdale, packed in Idaho with Jews, booming communities, Ashkenazic, Sephardic, Jews from South America. I mean, it's just an extraordinary degree of growth. I mean, no one, everyone assumed that the summers were uninhabitable and it'll only be a winter phenomenon. And that's not the case. Jews move there and live there permanently, whether it's Bal Harbor or, um, uh, or, 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 you know, for a lot of deal on that whole area. Uh, it, it, uh, part of it was, and part of it, of course, was the, whether it was the state of Florida or some government uh, agency making sure that the electric rates uh, were able to be manageable because clearly once you hit May and June, 
that air conditioner is on and your windows, your windows stay closed. Before we leave Surfside, I know it's a depressing, morose subject. I just want to mention just two points about that. One point is that two weeks before uh, the tragedy uh, at uh, Lisker Shul, the big Lubavitch Shul, which I think is at the center of the community, which became the nerve center for uh, you know, figuring out what's going on. And that's where all the, the, news, the uh, news conferences are being held. They, uh, the state sanctioned the Hatsola of Florida as an official um, uh, arm of an ambulance and rescue service. And incredibly enough, they were put to work for this terrible thing. And on that, and on that note, I saw recently, I think it was about a day or two ago, I'm sure you were aware of it, that Eretz Yisrael, Medina Yisrael sent their team. Yeah, uh, they're sending another team. They're sending an additional team, what I heard this morning. They're, uh, no, listen, it's obviously a Kiddush Hashem. It's obviously, uh, you know, uh, wherever there is, uh, you know, uh, whether it's Haiti or earthquake or, or, or uh, Israel's ready to help the world, which is a wonderful thing. It's, it's the way it should be. It's the right thing to do. You know, the uh, collateral benefit is, of course, Kiddush Hashem. The, the goal is simply to help. And uh, that's what Israel does. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, when you read that, you know, Israel's one of two countries in the world that sent teams. It's, it's really quite incredible. No one, uh, you know, certainly 40, 50 years ago, this would have been on, you know. And, uh, the, fact that we, and the fact that we have even, I don't know the expertise of the Hatsola down there, but the fact that we have become experts in these type of terrible situations, which of course were brought by building explosions that happened in Eretz Yisrael and other terrible events forced us to become a mevinim in Tsar. And, and, and also dealing with, uh, I think some of the teams are some psychological experts in terms of helping the right, right. trauma and, care and uh, and we know and we know we, you know absolutely the, we know uh, they're going to minister to everyone there they're, they're going to minister to the non-Jews and the others as well right. so I, I don't say that that is a silver lining in this terrible terrible cloud but I think that what emerges is really the the as you say the strength of Jewish community but also the efficiency we're not just the macabre anymore we have Hatzalah we have Zaka. And 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 there, and, and the, the Achtos of Klai Yisrael isn't just davening and and and, and collecting money for the Yisoyim and the Almonos, but also to be there on the ground with expertise. And I think that's something that I, I think it's also. I mean, it's another indication of what the Jewish of what the Jew looks like and will look like to the non-Jewish world in the coming decades. The Jew of uh, the. In other words, in the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, when a typical non-Jew in Chicago or St. Louis imagined a Jew, what did they imagine? What did they think of? Uh, they thought of Alan King. They thought of, uh, you know... Uh, Bugsy Siegel. Uh, you know, whatever. They, in other words, they thought of characters in American culture. They thought of Mel Brooks, possibly, whose birthday was just celebrated this week. Uh when did he turn? Ninety-five. Ninety-five. You know, they they imagined you know those cultural figures, you know, uh, you know, uh, or, or or political figures like Jacob Javits or Henry Kissinger, uh, right? Or Louis Brandeis, or, you know, the figures like that. I think increasingly the face of the Jewish world to the non-Jew is much more religious face, a much more Israeli face, and it's very different. And uh, 
that has a lot of uh, that's a lot of positive to that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 also not just being a fat cat who goes down to Miami and spends money or is a crime lord like um, like Mayor Lansky who's <laughs> escaping. By the way, remember how we used to, I used to see Mayor walking his dog all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to see him all the time. There's a new movie coming out with, with uh, Harvey Keitel in the movie. Uh, was there, there's a Meyer Lansky film coming out. Yeah, I, I saw him very, very often. I was yeah. very, I was very yeah. happy to see Mayor Lansky. You but, know, he was a, you know, listen, he, uh, you know, Israel didn't give him refuge when he wanted, but he was a good Jew. I mean, the gangsters in New York were were sending arms to Palestine, forty eight yeah. to help the Jews. Oh, oh, Right. You know, again, but I, I think you're correct. You know, the, the Miami Jews that we were very familiar with They're gone. Were, definitely, were definitely archetypes. And I want to mention also, besides all the tzaddikim and rabbeim that I was zocha to see, the Rimnitzarebi, the Satmarov, the Puparov, the uh, Rav David Lipschitz, uh, Rav Hutner, uh, Rav Shmuel Birnbaum, so many different uh, Rabbonim, Rav Ruderman, uh, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky on a daily basis. I also was able to schmooze with Isaac Basheva Singer. <laughs> Isaac Basheva Singer came to the yeshiva and he right. said he was going to, he, he liked the way I was learning and the nigan I was using. And he asked me what sugi I was doing. And he said, I'm going to put him in a book. I guess he didn't make <laughs> it. But, um, uh, you know, I had a, it was, it was an incredible, really potpourri of, of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that, despite all the, t- you know, that's, Notwithstanding all the Torah and interesting ideas uh, that were always fermenting there through your brother Ova Shalom and others, and I think that when, and therefore, even though I haven't been back there as a person who really was part of my life since 1980 when I left, um, there's bumper stickers, there's there's slogans now saying "Let's make America Florida." In, in so many ways, especially during COVID, Florida became. Uh, a place for, like you say, to go despite the humidity and despite the, you know, the, let's talk about the palmettos too, by the way, the, right. the, the cockroach from outer space. I mean, you're oh, talking they were, about, Yeah, they were huge, the cockroach, yes. Right, they, you know, with these in, incredible wingspan and, you know, I, et cetera, and, and, and everything else, Florida is really uh, positing itself as, as an incredible alternative for so many people to move down there. I'm sure you're you're aware of it. And it's and it's also about the fact that it seems to be uh, a bastion of, I wouldn't say right wing values, but anti woke values. Right. And 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 um, so why don't you you talk about that? Let's talk a little bit about Listen, Florida. Florida is in many places a punchline, also because of the aberrant behavior associated with uh, uh, certain areas in Florida, the Panhandle, and uh, other places. There's it's the you know, whether it's a serial killer or some bizarre story with a, you know, in, in, in a school or a Walmart, you know, Florida is a, is a punchline. Like you read a bizarre story about, I don't want to get into it, whatever it is, you, you, oh, it's Florida again. On the other hand, during COVID, uh, you know, the, the governor took a very different approach than did Cuomo or, uh, or Newsom in New York and California. And, uh, he was vilified widely uh, by the left as being reckless. Uh, in many ways, he's been vindicated. He did he did a better job protecting the elderly uh, than did Cuomo by you know by a large margin. Sure, and uh, and he kept the, uh, the the state open. And um, what we're now what we now know is that the long term educational um, hit that a lot of kids took and the psychological hit that many took. Uh, may have been avoided in Florida by uh, 
So again, I mean, I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think that the book is written on that yet. We'll know in five years, you know, who was right and who was wrong. But right now, what DeSantis did looks pretty good compared to others. I, I, I am seeing even in my community, again, New Jersey, of course, had it not been for Massachusetts uh, uh, level at the top of the tax uh, tax states, New Jersey would, would would be the number one state of taxes. But there's so many people that are moving and moving to Florida. And I'm saying right. Florida has no income tax. So Florida is a, is, a, is a very attractive address for people. And it makes a huge difference. And, uh, you know, listen, all you is a wonderful statistic. And I don't have the number in my head. But compare the amount of money that New York State spends per student in public school and the amount of money that Florida spends per student in public school. Florida spends much less. And yet, and I would say, I wouldn't say despite, I would say because of that, they have much better results in terms of reading proficiency and math proficiency and high school graduation rates. Florida does better than New York, spending a fraction per student of what New York pays. And uh, it's a better run state. And I think, I think you can't discount something that I can just tell you from my own memory, and maybe you remember it too. Uh, when we uh, would walk from the yeshiva, and the yeshiva, of course, was in an office building on right. top of a movie theater. Right. And then we would walk back to the dorm, and I would, I would pass the high schools on the way back. Right. These kids were smiling and happy and, again, having the greatest time. The, the fact that the weather in Florida, despite some of the, uh, the humidity we're talking about, right. allows much more activity. Uh, right. you're, you, the kids are inherently happier. You don't have the cabin fever. You don't have the difficult uh, commutes. And, and I think it, 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 it creates a happier student, a better student. Uh, you know, even by us in the yeshiva, you might remember the Miami kids were much better ball players than everybody else yeah, because they, because they were able to spend the summers, you know, uh, you know, tensing, they're getting their muscles ready and galvanizing themselves and playing. So I think it, in a way, it's a, it's a great healthier alternative, not having to deal with with the winter slush and snow and everything else. It seems to be that the you know, <laughs> why live. No, in- I'll tell you, listen, I, I I mean the joke and you hear very often in Montreal in deep winter in January when it's minus thirty centigrade is. Why did my father or why did my grandfather, you know, get off at Halifax? Why didn't he go to Ellis Island, you know, and, and then or, go in, or even further south? But, you know, it's it's uh, it, 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 there's no question it changes the culture. It does. It changes. I mean, weather is very important. Sure. Sure. And, and you know, part of the reason why everybody was, you know, uh, talking about go to Flo- go to California. And if in California you have a much better Chaim, you know, the Sforno mentions it, of course, when he talks about uh, the Doramabal, and he talks right. about the fact that the climates, climate was so temperate throughout the years, they lived longer, and it, it led the Yetzirah to places that you didn't want it to lead to. But still, the, 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 the healthiness and the, and the quality of the life was what... Also, right now, for the last 30 years or longer, to be in a community that's growing, where you have an influx of people coming, whether it's from South America or New York and Chicago, uh, moving to Florida, uh, it, it changes your mood. It changes the, oh my God, there's a future here. Oh my God, you know, we need a bigger soul. We need another school. It, it you know, it, it invigorates a, a community. I mean, New York communities are not growing. I mean, if you look at the, 
you know, certain areas. I mean, you have, yeah, you have Lake Lakewood. Lakewood is actually, Lakewood is the fastest growing city. Yeah, in the yeah, state. Lakewood is growing because, but you have an outflow out of Flatbush, you know, into Lakewood basically. Um, uh, Lakewood is booming. I mean, someone just sent me a number since Shavuos. There's been 300 chassidim in Lakewood. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's a level of uh, of demographic explosion. I don't think the Jews have ever experienced since Mitzrayim. I mean, it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. Right and, 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 and construction, new construction. You don't. You, you never between between brises and chasenes. You never have to buy food. You could spend your. You go to every. You go Friday that's, night. Okay, that's that's the yeshiva guy talking. Yes, we, right, you never have to shalom zacher. You know, Friday night you have seven shalom zachers. Can I know that? Every every morning you'll find a bris. Every night you'll find a chasenet. You never have to go shopping. You don't need a kitchen. You don't have to own a kitchen. Yeah. But, but, but again, Lakewood is its own mahus, and I guess it's the exception right. that proves the rule. Whereas, and it's true, there is a certain Torah organic, organic Torah growth that, that's happening there. But, you know, I, I think that um, the, the idea of, I don't know if it would be a normal community. I think, you know, in Florida, I think there's a, a greater normalcy of, of communities that are spreading. Right. I think, um, I mean, you look at Boca, you look at Boca, you know, and, and Fort Lauderdale and North Miami Beach. These are very healthy communities that are growing and, and doing well. And, they're, you know, they're doing it right. Talk, I mean, talk a minute about, again, what I was trying to get to, which is about California's, the failure of California. Now, again, I mean, what they just, just yesterday, the news reported that in a poll of San Franciscans, 40% of them intend on leaving. I mean, when they decriminalize shoplifting and 12 Walmarts have to, not Walmarts, what's the other chain? Just announced they're closing in San Francisco because you can't not, as a shopkeeper, make a living because shoplifting is no longer a crime. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny thing. I don't know that. See, again, you, you need a guess of very creative imagination to understand that if you decriminalize something, then people may do it. You know what I mean? It, it was a, again, you can't, it's hard to criticize politicians. <laughs> Who knew that if you decriminalize the people? But, would but it's more than that. It's also it's also the the imposition. Taxes are a disaster. The wildfires are a disaster. The electrical grid is a disaster. I mean, California is run as a political cause. I mean, Henry Kissinger's famous line that Iran has to decide if it's a country or a cause that applies to California. <laughs> is it a state or a cause? And they keep passing these laws and implementing, you know, policy decisions that are designed to demonstrate how woke they are and uh they said you can no longer have official that you can no longer travel with unofficial uh california vehicles into states that they consider um Less promoting tolerant yes promoting that aren't racially tolerant etc so i thought it was more homophobia but whatever, homophobia, yeah. yes yeah. again it's all it's all conflated into the same thing and i think that i, I again i think the um the lockdowns that occurred in California were extremely uh, uh, egregious, I guess, in a way. In I mean, he still has emergency power, and you know the cases are down ninety eight percent. I mean, you know, here's the thing about governments and politicians and bureaucrats is that the, the ability to regulate people's lives is intoxicating, and they can't give it up. And uh, the the reimplementation of mask mandates in California recently due to the Delta variant, when the caseload really doesn't justify it. Just the instinct to want to control. And Americans used to be against this stuff. And I think many still are, obviously. But uh, the instinct, I'll, I'll give you an interesting, interesting thing. 
I was just looking at this for, for reasons that, uh, you know, that affected somebody. In my life. Anyway, in, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get this wrong, but if I, if, I, if I remember correctly, in the province of Quebec, a 14-year-old could get a vaccine without parental permission. In Ontario, a 12-year-old can get a vaccine without parental permission. In America, most places, it's 18. Now, why is there that distinction between Canada and the U.S.? Does Canada believe younger people are smarter? No. What it means is the following, is that America still believes that parents are important, that there's another center of power in people's lives, that government is not the sole influencer and controller of people's lives. There's something called a family unit upon which government should not encroach. So parents are allowed to veto their kids' medical uh, life till they're 18, till they're adults. Canada, which is much more inclined to want to see a monopoly of power in the hands of government, are willing to say, you know, if a 12-year-old wants to, parents have no role. 14-year-old wants to, parents have no role. So it's very interesting. It's very interesting in, uh, in the contrast between Canada and the U.S. that there used to be a deference to other centers. And more and more in the States, you see a more of a European idea that, uh, you know, central planning and government uh, control and, and, you know, and, and you see that, uh, you know, it's, it's pervasive, that, that idea, that government bureaucrats are somehow endowed with a level of insight and genius into human behavior that grants them the privilege of dictating things. And uh, Americans... So, and, 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 like you, and, and it's clear that Florida, you know, versus California has given a lot more agency to, to people and the families and... And as obviously as we can see, and I would say, you know, Ron DeSantos was so um, stirring in terms of his his feeling towards what was happening uh, in Surfside. Um, And and I got to say it, he he appears like presidential almost, right? Yeah, DeSantis is clearly the the guy. I mean, mean, it is clearly this should be the standard bearer of the Republicans going forward uh, in, in, in 2024. I think, I mean, I can't, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's very early to say, but, you know, if, if you had to predict, you know, who's, uh, you know, if, if, if Trump is not going, if Trump's going to be in Sing Sing by then, uh, then, uh, you know, DeSantis is the guy. I don't know if Trump's going to run again, whether he's, uh, you know, in, in, entangled in legal proceedings or not. But uh, this DeSantis is, is clearly the guy. I mean, it's not going to be Marguerite, what's her name, Taylor. And it's not going to be a Mario, Marco Rubio, and it's not going to be, uh, you know, Jeb Bush. It's going to be DeSantis. And 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 even if you know he doesn't necessarily uh, win the presidency, or if he even runs, I think the 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 image of a Republican leader uh, espousing the type of things he does, I think, will be a very positive thing. There's, there's been a lot of talk in the in the New York Times and other outlets that the Republicans don't have a voice. They're not sure what they're doing. They're kowtowing to Trump. They're they're still weak. Uh, they're ignoring Ron DeSantis. I think they're ignoring that uh, what he is demonstrating in his governance of the state of Florida. And yeah. uh, you know, I think that that is going to emerge hopefully as a stable, normal, non-toadying version of what Republicans can be. And, and, and let's say it between ourselves, you know, a more family valued uh, type of approach towards government uh, that religion will will thrive under. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
Listen, you had, I mean, in uh, he, he, American uh, churches were given much more deference in COVID than Canadian. And there's no question that Florida, you know, I think as much as, 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 as in the liberal mind, Florida is like represents, you know, aberrations of human behavior. Florida is really, in many ways, a model of what governance should look like. I mean, in education and taxes, I mean, they're doing okay. I would just add one last thing as we sort of like sum up our Florida nostalgia vacation prediction show. I think that's what this has turned into. Right. Um, you know, when we were in Yeshiva, we were friends with a lot of Cuban immigrants and right. their children. Um, and, 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 and I think the, the Cuban story and a lot of, and some of it is a lot of Jewish families as well. The Cuban story was really the story of the, of the Hispanic immigration that succeeded tremendously. The, right. you know, you know, unlike Texas, which again is so huge, it's hard to it's hard to, to grasp it all in one shot, or California or Colorado or New York or other places where there, there was issues and xenophobia that emerged. Florida did, has, has done a tremendous job bringing in their immigrants and those immigrants are thriving there, right? The, Absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, there's a, yeah, also... Cuban immigrants are, are very different than the immigrants from other places. They've lived under communism, so they understand what, what, what that looks like. And they're, and they're, and, and they're allergic to, to, to the left because of that. And then you had this great shock in the democratic world when, you know, when everybody figured out who voted for who, uh, you know, in, in the last election, they realized the, the very significant shift in Hispanic voting from Democrats to Republicans, even under the allegedly racist and xenophobic Trump, because ultimately, end of the day, Hispanics tend to be much more traditional, and uh, and and they value the things that the, the Republican uh, Party seems to stand for, and uh, and that voting shift is fascinating. I mean, the Democratic Party for years took the Hispanic vote for granted, saw it as a subset of the African American vote almost, and and just it just took that loyalty for granted, and uh, and what you saw in the last election was a uh, was a movement away. Uh, from that uh, voting in lockstep, but you know, but if we look, let's say, for example, the average, and I don't want to, uh, you know, be guilty of, uh, of, of pigeonholing anyone here, but if we take the look of of an immigrant who comes to Florida, let's say in the late fifties, early sixties, etc., or someone who would come to one of the northern cities in New York or something like that, so here in Florida, there was a lot of encouragement and a sense of a community there, and. That immigrant ends up with those economic opportunities available, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, developing something, uh, being helped in a way, but not being spoon fed, not 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 necessarily becoming part of a welfare state, not joining some sort of um, uh, commune of of, of of takers. You, you right. constantly hear uh, the the Floridians, the Cubans, and others how they built themselves up and how they did uh, and they deserve enormous credit and also i remember there were some fears in the 80s about oh english isn't being spoken or whatever the fact is we know this that all those people who conjure fears of immigration of 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 groups that can't seem to assimilate is that after one generation two generations three generations the immigrants who come are no different than the Italian or Irish or Jewish immigrations, immigrants of 100 years ago. They become passionately patriotic Americans. And uh, the and, American and, idea is still a compelling idea. 
even if let's say the language and the culture is still celebrated it, yeah. it, 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 Florida is probably not the melting pot it's more like the quilt of Canada right. Right. but it's but it is securely American and, and, and very pro the country and pro the state 100%. yeah and, and again look we this has really been the argument that Moynihan and others made uh, in the late 60s and others that if you keep on you creating uh, the government constantly giving constantly pumping money in and constantly uh, basically uh, becoming the parent and not only just being the parent but spoiling the child then your immigration is going to end with uh what Trump was able about exactly what, but the Biden spending and the family plan there, this whole thing, it's creating a situation where increasing percentages of Americans are on the dole. And that is debilitating to the spirit of a country. But that's the goal of this. The goal of the left is to create a world where private citizens are more and more dependent on the largesse uh, of government. That's the goal. That's not an unintended consequence, you know, of trying to help people, as they say. No, the goal is for government to play a much greater role. And, and that is very disturbing. And, uh, you know, and, and what that says about the collective personality of America, well, you know, that's the test now. Will Americans remember their roots in personal freedom and limited government? Will they? And again, I, I know that what I'm saying here has been said by many, but I don't know if we've talked about it enough, is that people are impressionable. They're impressionable by the podcast they hear, the magazine articles, uh, what's in their newsfeed. And I think that the um, as the, the people like the New York Times and other uh, outlets, if they play up the successes and keep on generating this propaganda for the greatness of what this left or liberal agenda, people are going to nod their heads. Many people are not there. Yeah, this is great. This is great. Tell me it's great. Right. I, I think if, if, if more people look at the Florida model and point to whether it's DeSantos personally or other stories of struggle and, and growth, communities that are beautiful and, and, and have pushed themselves, I, I think that the culture war could possibly at least be one in some way. But the propaganda of how beautiful what's happening is, if you look in all, again, whether it's the New Yorker or it's in any of the, what's considered, you know, the, the big magazines and newspapers, it's almost like the Biden and company can do nothing wrong. Oh, it's on the cover for him. I mean, on, on so many issues on whether it's his own personal conduct or, you know, the nepotism or, his inability to articulate in a coherent way some certain policies and ideas, or whether it's the ideas and plans themselves, they're given enormous cover by media. There's no question. And, and, and again, the fact that 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 you know anything that's happening in Florida or any of these places is considered Jim Crow and it's anti it's anti black and and it's 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 a reversal back. There's no fact checking going on oh. and and. Very little space is being. Given. I mean, the response to the Georgia voting rules, which I, you know, I mean, to call that Jim Crow, and I mean, you have to be crazy. I mean, you know, I mean, if you compare what Georgia allows in terms of early voting and absentee, it's, it's, it's sometimes more liberal than 
places like Delaware, where Biden is from, or New York State. It's really, uh, you know, and then you had the corporations, you had baseball pull out the all-star game and Coca-Cola and go bananas. I mean, it's, it, it is so far removed from the reality. And I think eventually people realize these things, I hope, I don't know. But, but again, the stories, if the stories are told and, and with some objectivity, then I think there's a chance for the average American to realize what's going on. Yeah. You know, both of us are children of television and we know that television, the movies, music, uh, documentaries, all of these things that, that, that are being produced most of it is 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 for the California and New York model right. and the glory of what Biden is doing. There's very little that's trumpeting and and applauding what we have been talking about today. And right. for many the culture, people, listen, Republicans win elections, but they always lose the culture war. And 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 there's almost an idea, and I talked about this in one of my other uh, podcasts. There's almost an idea that. Invoking God is 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 is, is right wing craziness. Talking right. about prayer, um, talking about family values in prayer and real prayer, um, and, and and even living according to your principles of the Bible. All of those things. If anybody hears that, right away, there's the attack mode. That what's going on here is some sort of bigot or xenophobe. And I think that that's something that it's it's, it's quite unfortunate. It's very different than the, the era that we grew up in. Um, sure. you know, Opie, might not, Opie, Opie might not have uh, prayed openly uh, to Jesus, but you knew that, you know, that when he prayed for Pa and Aunt B, that this was, <laughs> that this was a positive thing. And yeah. uh, well, anyway, All right. we, hope you've, we hope you've enjoyed our stroll down our own little Floridian version of Mayberry. Now the I-95, yes. We want, we've left out much of, uh, of, of, of our antics and, and things that we used to do on the road uh, coming back. But I will say one thing. One of the great things was getting that free orange juice. We would, stop uh -huh. at the, uh, we would stop at the Welcome Center and say, we've made it. <laughs> Here's the fresh squeezed orange juice. We should be Zoha to make it really in a real way. Take care, Rabbi. All right. Stay warm. Be well. How bad? It, what, what is the temperature where you are? Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.